0: Hey everyone, this week we're giving away a six-month subscription to leadquizzes.com valued at $300. Leadquizzes helps you create interactive lead generation quizzes to help you grow your email list. This is the same software I use to generate over 20,000 leads for my business in 2017. For a chance to win, subscribe to the podcast, then take a snapshot or picture showing you're subscribed and text it to 716-218-8981 or email it to growthexperts at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome everybody. And we have yet another amazing guest today. His name is Joseph Lazukin He's a serial entrepreneur, a conversion rate optimization and SEO expert, and has already had three exits under his belt. We connected on Facebook last year, and I'm so happy that he decided to come on the show. Welcome Joseph.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So should I call you Joe or Joseph?
1: Uh, Joe, Joseph, Joey, any of the three work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to call you Joe. Great. So I'm excited to dig into your expertise around conversion rate optimization, but before we do that, can you, you know, give the audience a quick one or two minute backstory on how you got here?
1: Yeah. So I kind of came from a lower income household and, uh, one of the biggest things that kind of led me into marketing, believe it or not, wasn't Initially, my intent, I ended up starting off in uh, doing basically MySpace profiles uh, for people for uh, 25 to 50 bucks pop, customizing the actual themes and everything. And that kind of got me into tech. And then tech eventually ended up leading me into building tools that were marketing based. And then from there, I got to see how things work on the kind of the back end. And then I was able to be able to take that marketing knowledge and be able to actually start doing consulting for larger and larger clients until I got to where I am now.
0: Very cool. So yeah, you started off small, like a lot of people, you know, sometimes they were doing Facebook fan pages. You were doing, what'd you say? Did you say MySpace?
1: Oh yeah. Back in the good old days. <laughs> wow. So how old are you? I'm actually 25 now.
0: So you're, you're 25 and you've already got three exits under your belt. All right. So we got to dig in here. So for the people who don't understand what CRO or conversion rate optimization is, can you explain it to us? Like we're fourth graders?
1: Yeah. CRO is conversion rate optimization. So at the end of the day, if a client's getting a sale for $30 and you help them get it for 20, you can be able to charge a success rate on that difference. So if they're typically making around $100,000 a month for let's say $50,000 worth of ad spend, and you can be able to help them achieve the exact same for $30,000, you can be able to charge a success rate on that difference of $20,000 that you save them.
0: Wow. So that's really how your company makes money. So you take a look at their funnel. You take a look at their everything they're doing with their marketing campaigns and their ad spend. And I'm sure a lot of that's Facebook and other platforms. And then where you can create a delta and save them a little bit of money on the conversion, you take a piece of that.
1: Exactly. So most of my time is basically focused on card abandonment because that's pretty much the largest space uh, to be able to kind of focus my time and effort on is so It's easy to quantify because if a company, let's say, I only take on clients that do 10 million or more in sales a year. So if they're doing $10 million in sales, I know based on industry standard that two out of every three people end up abandoning cart at checkout. So that means that if they're doing 10 million, roughly have about $20 million in cart abandonment, unless they've been doing some other cart abandonment recovery features. So hypothetically, let's just say that they have 20 million in cart abandonment. I usually, because of the system that I've refined over a bunch of different clients, I've been able to basically consistently be able to reduce people's card abandonment by 25 to thirty percent so I'm able to save them anywhere between five to six thousand uh, dollars five to six million dollars and of that I charge thirty percent so I'm able to be able to make 1.8 while they make four point two but they also keep the customer and the lifetime value of the customer
0: Wow that's amazing so that's a very interesting business model but it's really all on contingency right if you don't deliver you don't get paid
1: exactly and that's the best way because I actually went through the entire process, and as many people do when they're in the consulting space, of what do I charge? It's probably one of the toughest questions that people try to figure out. And the way that I ended up starting off is I was like, okay, well, I'll charge $20,000 for this, or I'll charge $50,000 for this. But the thing is, I kept on getting resistance for going in and optimizing people's funnels or sites or whatever it was, because they couldn't understand what the actual value would be on the back end. And then differentiating yourself versus all the other consultants out there that are charging similar prices. And not delivering results also makes it a heck of a lot harder for people that are competent, that are getting results, to be able to differentiate themselves. So I just decided, forget about that. I'm going to end up charging a percentage. And it's a win-win because, A, they have no risk, and B, I also make more on the back end. So that's pretty much what I've kind of focused on doing now, is only doing gigs where I can be able to charge that percentage and be able to take major sweeps while also helping that company make several million extra.
0: So you probably only work with a small select group of clients, but you spend a lot of time with those clients and you make big fees based upon the success
1: rate. So I don't spend a lot of time with the clients, believe it or not. So the systems that I've set up usually, so if we're talking exclusively card abandonment, I can usually get that set up within about a week. And then after that week, probably checking in to see what the stats are doing every two weeks until we get it to an optimal rate of anywhere between 25 or 30%. And uh, from that point on, it just continues to uh, perform and maybe we'll end up tweaking it the next year. And it kind of continues on year after year.
0: Wow. Cool. All right. Mm -hmm. So based upon that, can you share how big your company is maybe in terms of whether it be revenue or employees or growth? I mean, it sounds like you've got a pretty, you got a tiger by the tail. You got a lot of, you know, you're making some pretty big fees from some pretty big companies. So you must be growing pretty quick.
1: Yeah. So uh, this year is going to be my biggest year yet. I'm not going <laughs> to say the exact number. Sure. But it's definitely up there. It is, is definitely up there. And I'm working on some campaigns that have the potential to actually reach a, a significant amount of people. So, for instance, one of the campaigns that I most uh, were about to close is uh, looking to be able to reach over 780 million people this year. So, that's going to be our biggest campaign yet. And then there's a couple of other companies that are currently in the pipeline that if they come through, I mean, it'll be a slam dunk this year. So, can you give me just
0: a framework? I mean, are you talking less than a million or more than a million, up to 10 million? I mean, can you build us a little bit of a picture without giving us the exact numbers?
1: Oh, over 20.
0: Over 20 million? Yeah. Great. Awesome. That's perfect. All right. So the one thing that I was thinking about here, and I think you touched on it a little bit, but I think this is really important. And it's probably pros and cons for you and your clients. The internet is changing literally at light speed, right? I mean, it seems mm-hmm. like you have to adapt very, very quickly. But could you share with my audience maybe a few tips that are working really well right now to help them improve their conversion rate optimization, whether it be card abandonment or whether it be in other areas that you've noticed where there's a lot of breakage?
1: Yeah. So the big thing is that, as you mentioned, I mean, the marketplace is really changing quite rapidly. And the thing is is that a lot of companies are trying to be able to find what's the newest, greatest thing. And they start to forget the things that are maybe older but still work quite well. So direct mail is actually very, very great. It's very, very good to be able to use And if you want to be able to, let's say, increase your SEO. A lot of people don't understand how does direct mail increase your SEO. But the thing is, if you've ever gotten a mailer, well, the statistics on that basically mean that somebody's going to end up getting your mailer. And most people, if they see a .com or your brand name, the immediate thing that they, they typically do is that they'll go into the URL bar and they'll just type in your brand name versus your actual .com domain. And by doing that, basically Google ends up seeing that there's a lot more searches for your specific company. And then if people end up seeing your company in the results list, they're going to click on it. So maybe if you're not number one, number two, but maybe you're number three and number four, they're going to start clicking on it. And that means that it's going to over time be able to boost your rank. Because one thing that SEO wise we look for is making sure that the staying time and the relevancy. So if somebody ends up going to Google search results and they end up seeing your site, they click on it and they stay for a long time great. If they don't, let's say that they click on it and then they bounce back and go back to the search results. It's actually a very huge detriment to your actual ranking. So you'll end up ranking lower. So when you end up doing direct mail, that's going to allow for you to be able to rank higher because it's relevant traffic and they're staying longer because they're actually interested in your service. And also the conversion rates on direct mail are actually pretty decent. So on that note, there's that element of it. So not always going for the newest, greatest thing, looking at the old school tactics that still work famously well so for instance, like just getting on the phone and calling people, calling people, believe it or not, is still one phenomenal way to be able to close. Yeah, it's very hard to be able to scale it. But if you get a solid um, sales team, I've seen companies be able to go from zero to over $7 million in their first year just having a good sales team. So it's it's kind of one of those things where you have to kind of pick out the different marketing tactics that make sense for your business. And a lot of companies need to stop focusing necessarily on the newest, greatest things in order to be able to achieve what they want to be able to achieve.
0: Sure. So... Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I think that people are always looking for that that next shiny tool or object or training or tactic or whatever. But could you hone in and the traditional business model is kind of where I came from. That's kind of how I grew up and where I've built most of my businesses. But could you talk a little bit more in in terms of like the things you're doing now, like the expertise that you're making, you know, that you've built a twenty million dollar business around? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of listeners that have companies that are you know, spending a ton of money online advertising and they're just not getting the ROI. Can you know mm-hmm. that conversion piece? Can you touch on that a little bit with one or two tips, or even extend on the SEO a little bit if you'd like?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of things that I can be able to touch on. I'll start off with SEO. So I mean, SEO. I know you're
0: I know you're not going to give away the secret sauce because that would be giving away the ship, right? But you know, <laughs> some of the things that you do, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's definitely some nuggets you could share.
1: Oh, absolutely. So. So SEO-wise, the entire marketplace has changed. Uh, about six or so months ago, they ended up emphasizing a lot more on the actual algorithm. So the AI algorithm called Google Brain. So a lot of the information about SEO that's currently out there right now is strongly irrelevant. So one of the biggest things that you can be able to do is that you can actually go into the Google Search Console, and there's a tool in there called the Data Highlighter. And you can actually be able to train Google's AI in order to be able to identify what it should be looking for. So if you spend a couple hours in there, you'll actually end up ranking uh, over your competitors quite quickly and quite, I mean, extraordinarily quick. I've been able to rank sites. For instance, one of uh, my companies, AddictedSuccess.com, allowed for us to be able to rank that for 52,000 keywords in 25 days. And that was just one of the tools that we ended up using. Obviously, we did a couple of other on-site things, but that's one tool that I can tell any business owner to be able to use, and they'll see pretty nice increases in uh, their SEO. Then as far as what I do kind of on the CRO side, if we want to jump over to that topic, card abandonment, the biggest thing is being able to look at, okay, what is wrong with the customer experience? Like, Why is the customer abandoning the checkout? So a big issue that a lot of companies do, and I've seen this destroy companies, is that they get into the mode of couponing too much. So they create a coupon mentality within their business, which in a lot of ways is cancer. So what I look at is, okay, why are people buying when they buy? And I start looking at the data from a topographical perspective. I look at, okay, we have all of this data, maybe 50,000 customers that are coming to the site every single day. Why are they not buying or why are they buying? So I go in there and I go, okay, the top five reasons why people end up abandoning cart are pretty simple, usually. The first one, which is first and foremost, is time. So usually when people are browsing around the internet, Monday through Friday, it's usually before work. Uh, Right when they get to work, they'll usually mess around for about 45 minutes to an hour. They'll also do it again at lunchtime. And they'll do it again right before they go home and then after dinner. And there's usually about a two to three hour window once they get home. So when you look at doing any kind of retargeting or anything else like that, it's very time sensitive. So when it comes to email campaigns, which is strongly what I use to be able to do uh, conversion rate optimization in terms of cart abandonment, I'll usually end up having it to where the first email to recover the cart goes out within 15 minutes because they're usually still messing around by that time. And it's simply a very, very simple email that says, did life get in the way? mark. We saved your cart for you! Exclamation And then inside of there, there's just a small thing that is relating to the customer where it says, hey, we understand you're busy. We're busy too. But we want to make sure that you didn't miss out on this great deal. We saved your cart for you. Here's everything. Feel free to check out at your earliest convenience. And that email, just that email alone, if you just insert it, uh, I've seen that recover anywhere between 7% and 8% just on its own. And what's crazy is that when it comes to uh, retargeting, basically uh, companies trying to be able to reclaim some of those carts, is uh, I haven't really seen too many that are doing more than 15%. And yet throughout the entire funnel that I'm doing, I'm doing anywhere between 25 to 30 So I continue down the five topics of uh, why people are abandoning. So the next one ends up coming down to value. People that maybe are coming to your brand for the very first time, they might not understand the actual value of whatever you're selling. So by being able to, instead of doing a coupon, by being able to do a free add-on, so for instance, if we were talking about, let's say, a protein powder company, the biggest uh, free add-on that makes sense, both for you as the company and also the end consumer, is a shaker cup. The shaker cup is high uh, value to the customer because usually they're in retail and stores for about 15, 20 bucks, and they cost about 30 cents in order to be able to make. Plus, they also have your logo on them. So, the person's gonna be walking around with your shaker cup everywhere, and people are gonna see the brand, and it's gonna start creating brand associations. So, instead of having it to where you end up giving them a 20% discount on your protein powder, now you've been able to basically decrease your profit by 30 cents while still being able to claim that sale that otherwise would have abandoned and never end up coming through. So, I look at ways to be able to make sure that we can be able to recover that sale for the least amount of money as possible using different tactics that approach. The different psychological reasons why people abandon carts. So, if I just want to breeze through and kind of touch on the top five, it's time, it's value, it's price, and then trust. And then the fifth email that I usually end up sending isn't based on trust or anything else like that. It's just simply uh, an opportunity for people to be able to share because if they're not going to buy your brand, then at the worst case, they'll be able to share something in effort to be able to win something. So, for instance, if I had a protein powder company, I would probably end up saying, oh, we'll fly you out to some exotic island beach vacation and uh we'll be able to have you train with a trainer uh like a celebrity trainer for a weekend and then the reason why you want to do an experience is because during that entire time people want to be able to have it so that way they can be able to show off to their friends what they've done because whenever people take a trip or travel or anything that's experience based versus product winnings they'll want to share it so if you end up sending people just product they may take a picture of it they may not but when it's an experience if you send them product ahead of time they get on the flight and make sure that you have a little note that says, don't forget to share the experience. They'll share it while they're at their house. They'll share it when they're on the way to the airport. They'll share it when they're to their hotel. They'll share it when they're with the celebrity trainer. And plus, also, you as a company are able to be able to record all of that and turn that into an advertisement to be able to build additional trust for the next go around when you start using that footage in order to be able to build trust with new clientele. So there's a lot of different ways that I kind of go about it. But um, yeah, the top five things is usually what I focus on when in terms of card abandonment.
0: Perfect. No, that's perfect. That's exactly why I dug in a little bit because I knew there was definitely some nuggets there. And I appreciate you, you, know, you sharing that because that was very valuable. So really quickly, you know, you've got a $20 million plus business. When did you start this business where you were focused on CRO? How long ago?
1: Oh, it, it's, it's kind of been an evolving thing. I've had my one business for about seven years and it's kind of migrated from doing client-based work where I was doing websites for people to doing software for people than to just doing the marketing. So it's all kind of been encompassed underneath one business. So I can't really say exactly when it really switched over. I definitely can say though that the biggest change ended up happening last year when I ended up making the switch from charging people $50,000 up front to charging them a percentage. So I ended up split testing my pricing and the moment that I started split testing my pricing where I shifted away from the $50,000 upfront model to a percentage based model that's when i was able to be able to start making a lot more money simply on the basis that people were comfortable paying a lot more as long as they were being able to make significantly more. So, hypothetically, would you pay somebody 3 million dollars if they made you 10? And everybody that you ask that question to is going to say yes. If you ask the same question of, would you pay somebody 50,000 dollars without knowing what the end result's going to be? And most people will be like, well, i don't know. Exactly. So the only way that you can be able to do that is if you have a very strong track record or even if you have a strong track record like i do you still end up hitting resistance because if, when you're dealing with certain companies, they get approached all the time by other people that are like, oh, $50,000 here, $100,000 here, and they don't get the results that they're that they're wanting. So even if that person comes highly regarded and they have a track record, it doesn't mean that that consultant is gonna end up working well for your business. So when you come at them from a percentage basis where they don't have any risk up front, there's only unlimited upside, they're all on board. It's, it's one of the biggest discoveries I think I've made in the last year was just going from a a strict upfront model to a percentage model.
0: Perfect. So what's the number one strategy that you were using to land these clients? I know the strategy on your pricing side, but how are you getting an audience with these people? How are you getting connected with them? How are you getting a meeting with them? What's your tactic? What are you doing?
1: So a lot of the clients have actually been word of mouth. And I, I guess that's true with most consultant businesses that once you end up working with one client, a lot more people end up just referring you out from that point on. The way that I initially started getting larger and larger clients is uh, I a, started charging a lot more, which filtered out a lot of the smaller end clients. But the other thing is, is that I also incentivize people. So I give a 20% referral fee for anybody that refers me to a client. So if somebody referred me a $10 million, to a $10 million e-com client, and let's say I ended up making the $1.8 million, they'd make $360,000. So one sale could end up equaling $360,000. So a lot of people are very incentivized by that because that's not a small chunk of change. (laughs) Yeah, Um, for sure. So I mean, three leads and you're a millionaire. So a lot of people are turning to that model. And that's a great way to be able to bring in leads for me. Another thing that I've also done is I freely give out a lot of information on my Facebook profile. And I was doing a little bit on LinkedIn, but I've kind of curled on that because it's too confusing to just jump on both platforms at the exact same time and it's just too much time. So I ended up landing my first major clients just through Facebook by basically posting how to be able to reduce uh, your cost per acquisition through Facebook ads by about 50% by showing how you can be able to hyper segment your Facebook pixel audiences. So that I ended up posting in all the different marketing groups. I ended up posting on my personal profile, and I ended up getting thousands of people that started following me. Out of those thousands, there was a couple of people that ended up becoming clients and from there, they kept on referring people. And then the others ended up just coming through affiliate offers or going to events. So, one of the big hacks that I do versus paying to go to, a, like, let's say a five or ten or fifteen thousand dollar mastermind or event or anything else like that that's going on is um, I won't even pay for the ticket. I'll just fly to the hotel and I'll end up hanging out the bar. And usually, once the event is in an intermission or after the event daily activities are done, everybody's at the bar and you can be able to network with uh, everybody there. And whoever is usually spending $15,000, $20,000 for a ticket, you know that they have a pretty fairly decent sized business. And I can help all of them because I'm not charging them anything. I'm only making them even more money and I can show them all the different clients that I've done it with previously. And it's an easy, it's an easy scoop. So it's one of the easiest ways to be able to pick up clients is just to be where money is. And if you know that people are paying $20,000 for a ticket, and let's say that if you're in a different space, so let's say that you're doing Facebook ads or something, and they're spending twenty thousand dollars for a ticket, that means that they can easily be able to afford twenty thousand dollars to pay you. So it's just where you, you just need to go where money is. At the end of the day,
0: nice, perfect. All right, so can can we dive into one of your clients? Maybe you can or cannot name them. That would be up to you, but ultimately, talk about one of your clients and tell us a story about how they got significant results after hiring you. I mean, we've talked tactical, but can you get a little bit more? into some numbers on how you've been able to dramatically change or help one of your bigger clients?
1: Yeah. I mean, all all of my clients that have ever worked with me, uh, they all have uh, pretty significant results. I mean, the way that I ended up actually becoming part of Addictive Success is I ended up basically uh, doubling the traffic and tripling the revenue just by doubling the traffic. And that was strongly just through SEO, just making sure to be able to go in, train Google on what to look for on the site. And then uh, through there, I ended up also going in and making sure that the text was a little bit bigger, because staying time on the site is incredibly important when it comes to SEO. And by making the text bigger, it also makes it easier for read. So people were actually enjoying what they were reading instead of having a strain or anything else like that. And when you're also dealing with an older demographic, a lot of uh, site owners forget that if you're going after the 25 plus market, then you might want to make the font bigger anyway, because their eyesight may not be as good. So by making the site text bigger, it makes the articles bigger, which means that people are having to spend a lot more time, which means that the ranking increases. And that allows for us to be able to make more ad revenue, be able to sell uh, higher ticket sponsorships, etc. So that's just one way. Then another example, I had another client that was doing about $18 million a year. Basically, I came in, they were doing no card abandonment whatsoever. And they wanted to be able to try out Facebook ads. Tried out Facebook ads for a little bit. I spent about $30,000 to make $133,000 for them. And that was really just a very, very simple campaign. It wasn't even truly a funnel at the end of the day. It was just mostly delivering them directly to the product page. And that was very straightforward. So there's not a lot of value to be able to give there. But what I did on the back end of being able to make them a significant amount of money outside of kind of what I did for the Facebook ads is that I looked at why people were actually ordering the product. And then I ended up using the same psychology of that same CRO funnel that I told you about before where the first one, the email went out within 15 minutes, basically to be able to address the issue of time. The second one ended up addressing the issue of value. The third one is usually where I incorporate the coupon. So that's where I address the issue of price. Then the fourth one, which is something that a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of people don't trust your business. So the fourth email is usually a free plus shipping offer. And it's really weird to be able to say that I incorporate a free plus shipping offer into my actual card abandonment funnel. But when you're dealing with card abandonments, you're typically dealing with Mostly new customers. So mostly new customers means that they have no trust with you. They may know of your brand, but they don't necessarily trust you the, uh, to the utmost uh, ability. So again, using the protein powder example, maybe uh, sending them a free plus shipping offer where you end up sending them like a pre workout, a post workout, and a protein sample uh, kit. Three small little sample kits for 9.95, and maybe it costs you like 50 cents for all the product, costing two dollars to be able to ship it. You're still making a profit on your advertising costs. So you're still net positive. And you're making money on top of it while also being able to establish with that customer a level of trust to where they'll come back and buy again. So really what I ended up doing for that company is I ended up setting up that entire uh, kind of card abandonment sequence and I was able to be able to increase their sales by 2.4 million. And it's still ongoing. So they've been going for about six months or so. So in the short amount of time, I mean, I've been able to help them save another $2.4 million by another six months because they're growing quite rapidly too at the same time. Over the course of a 12 uh, month calendar, I'll probably end up saving them closer to like five, 5.5 million. Wow.
0: That's amazing. Very cool. Yeah, I love that. So, so we're going to wrap up here in a minute or so, but I really want to, this is an important question because you're, you know, you've went through obviously highs and lows and you've had your business is growing very, very rapidly now. Knowing what you know now, what would you do different on your entrepreneurial journey to help you grow even faster? I mean, if you had to pick one or two things,
1: that's a that's a tough one. I think honestly, the biggest one would be building out a team sooner rather than later. So I've been mostly working, like with the exception of contractors, it's mostly been just me. So I've been the one that's been doing mostly the sales, being able to do the meetings, being able to actually do the the card abandonment sequences. The only things that I don't do is I mean, at the end of the day, if I need any design work done, that's the only thing that I don't really touch. So if I'm dealing with any kind of email templates or if I'm dealing with any kind of graphics, I mostly just end up pitching that off to contractors. But my biggest regret, I would say, is I could be able to be so much bigger as a business had I have just built out an entire team, and that's actually what I'm doing for the next three months is I'm actually building out an entire team. I actually have six, 12 job openings right now between my three businesses at the current moment to be able to hire people because I want to be able to delegate my time to be able to focus on the things that make both the company the most amount of money and the things that I enjoy the most. Because I found out that by me doing everything, while it is possible for you to do everything, at a certain point, you you cap out. You both get burnt out and you also end up becoming so busy in the things that don't necessarily matter that you end up falling into the same trap. And this is something that I do as a consultant too, is I end up helping businesses be able to identify that they're working too much in their business instead of on their business, and by being able to pull people back out so that way they can be able to look at it from a data perspective versus an emotional perspective, it helps people get a lot further. And so in my case, I had been burned a couple of times by hiring people. when I was first starting out, I had lost when I was 17 uh, years old, I had lost 12,000 dollars at one time, 16,000 dollars at another time, and when I was 17, that was a lot of money. So I, uh, I had kind of developed this kind of, I guess, toxic mindset to a degree where I can only trust myself and I had to do everything myself. So I ended up teaching myself everything. And while I am successful, it has greatly hindered me from being able to get to where I want to be. So that's been, I think, the greatest piece of advice that I can be able to share with people is to be able to build out a team. And then the other biggest piece of advice is don't fall into the trap of making emotional decisions. Make data-driven decisions because what I usually do when I come in as, as a consultant is I'll see things that to most people would be common sense. But to the owners and to the people involved, the reason why they made those decisions are emotional. So they're not making the right decisions because they're emotionally attached to whatever it is. So maybe the team lead doesn't want to be able to scrap his project, even though it's losing money because he invested three, four months of his time into building it out. Or The team lead ended up building out a landing page that is just simply not converting, but he doesn't want to give up on it because he feels by by giving up on it that his entire efforts have been wasted and then he feels demoralized. So by coming in as somebody who's a third party, by being somebody who's objective, I'm able to be able to just basically cut through the noise and be able to iron out what works, what doesn't. And uh, I think that's the biggest mistake that a lot of business owners, including CEOs, end up making is that they start to become a little bit too emotionally attached and they don't seek out, outside help enough to be able to stay grounded and to continue working on building their business versus kind of doing kind of a hamster wheel where they're working in their business and not really going forward versus just putting in effort to be able to just do something. Perfect. So that, that's, uh that's pretty much what I would have to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. That was awesome. Thank you so much. What's your number one growth tool or software that you're using these days?
1: Most of the software I actually end up building out myself. So um, I have about 13 years of programming experience. So whenever I see things that can be optimized, I actually build out the tools myself. So one big thing that I do for a lot of my clients is, and this is huge, I've saved companies millions of dollars doing this and this alone, is going into the Facebook pixel and actually uh, hyper-segmenting it. So that way, basically, I can be able to have it to where I can segment people out by every five seconds that they've been on a website, how far that they've watched a video on a customer's website. Also, how long that they've actually read it article? Have they reached a call to action? Yes or no? So, I'm actually releasing a software in the next two weeks um, that allows for you to be able to hyper segment out all of those things. And by doing so, I've been able to cut uh, acquisition costs by fifty percent. And um, I, I've done it for companies that are tea companies. I've done it for companies that are fitness companies, mouthpieces. I mean, all over the board. So. The same strategy is pretty much the same thing that I kind of apply, and now that I've made tools to be able to make it easier, that's basically where I've focused. So, as far as growth hacking, I think the biggest thing I would recommend to people is use social media the way that you should by broadcasting as much value as possible. So, a lot of big, is, uh, the biggest thing that I think a lot of consultants and a lot of business owners kind of make the mistake of when they're trying to attract new business is that they have business secrets and they feel that by giving them out that their business is no longer going to be valuable or special or be able to get the same rates because why would people want to be able to hire them after they know exactly what to do? So I found out that by telling people exactly what to do, because I'm more than happy to be able to tell people exactly how to build up my funnel that I do for my CRO stuff. I'm more than happy to be able to tell you how to be able to reduce your card abandonment by 30%. I'm more than happy to be able to tell you how to cut your Facebook ad spend by 50% while still achieving the same results. I actually do it on my Facebook profile all the time. And what I find is that even though I tell people exactly how to do it step by step, they don't wanna be able to do the work. So they'd rather be able to hire somebody out and in the process it builds trust. And it also allows for those people to be confident whenever they tag a friend or a fellow business owner and that fellow business owner may become a new client. So my biggest growth hack I would say is consistently giving out value each and every day and staying prominent in everybody's newsfeed and friending people, if you're going to use Facebook, friending people on Facebook that are in, I guess, your ideal uh, customer avatar. So if they're basically business owners that are making $10 million or more a year is the people that I would add. For the average person, maybe just adding people that are doing over maybe $250,000 a year, or adding people that are from the press or anything else like that. If you use social media for business purposes like Facebook, If you remove all your kind of friends and family, except for the essentials of the people that you talk to every day, Facebook will start showing your content to more and more people that are in the line of your customer clientele to where you can actually start just genuinely organically or aggregating leads just simply from Facebook. And as long as your Facebook page ends up looking like something that's credible, something that they want to be able to actually associate with, people will start outreaching to you and you'll never have to spend a single dime on advertising at all.
0: Perfect. Well, listen, we appreciate the value you shared with us today because you did get very tactical and you dug into some of the things that have really made you successful and have helped your clients save a ton of money and even make a ton of money. So we're going to wrap it up. So could you leave us with you know one piece of parting guidance and then tell everybody how they could connect with you?
1: Yeah. Um, the biggest piece of parting guidance, I, I guess I would say, is don't be afraid to be able to hire outside consultants. Um, one of the biggest mistakes that I ever made was uh, trying to be able to build out my own personal brand. And because I'm emotionally attached to how my brand looks, I just I struggled to be able to even get a website up. So once I ended up hiring consultants, um, being able to contract that kind of work out, things became a lot smoother and I was able to be able to get the results that I wanted without having to get the stress on being a perfectionist of kind of being emotionally driven versus data-driven. Like be objective in uh, the daily tasks that you end up making and you'll be able to achieve everything that you set out to achieve. As far as following me, being able to see the value being able to find out how you can be able to lower your uh, cost per acquisition through Facebook ads, how to be able to learn how to do your SEO better. Or um, you can even see a case study that I did on my, on my personal Facebook profile. I ended up doing a case study where I launched a, an e com business from scratch and I hit over $104,000 in 30 days and I posted my ads and I posted exactly how I was doing it, what strategies I was doing. So if anybody wants to be able to learn how to do Facebook ads or e You can be able to see all that at my Facebook profile at, um, just if you go to facebook.com, the Joseph Lozacan, and, uh, you'll be able to connect and be able to see kind of all the content that I post and you'll be able to find out everything that you need to know.
0: Perfect. And we'll definitely link that in the show notes. And I want to thank you, Joseph, for being here today for your expertise. And I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Listeners. I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.